I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Good morning. I am excited to be here with you today as always. So I'd like to welcome all our audience to another wonderful episode of My EdTech Life. So anywhere you are in the world today, whether you're having your breakfast, maybe some lunch or late dinner, or maybe it may be Sunday morning, if you're joining us, thank you so much as always for your support in making My EdTech Life what it is today. As you know, our mission, our vision, and our passion is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. And today we have a great and wonderful show. I have a wonderful guest who, believe it or not, I just probably met maybe about three weeks ago, not even in real life, but just through Twitter and just connecting and DMing. And then, you know, he started showing up to some of the shows and participating. And I'm just excited because, you know, this is what we do. You know, you you contact me, we hit it off and we're like, hey, Let's do a show. Let's have a conversation. So I'm really excited to have my new and wonderful great friend, John Woodward, here on the show. So, John, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, you know, early on a Saturday morning, but I can't complain at all. Doing great. Wonderful, John. And we've got Hannah here who said, who says that she is so excited to see John this morning. He's so wonderful at building relationships with teachers, major props. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us in the chat. All right. All right, guys. And if you're watching us live right now, let us know where you're joining from. We are right now. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube and we are on Twitter. So wherever it is that you're joining us from, let us know. Drop us a line and we'll be excited to take any of your questions and, you know, maybe, you know, show up any of show any of your comments. And that way that can lead into conversation, too, as well. So, John. Before we get started and we get into this conversation that I really have been looking forward to, because when you and I connected, you know, it was really just kind of asking questions, you know, hey, how do you do this or this and so on. And then after that, you know, just seeing your your passion for technology and also just making connections and building relationships. We'll get into that in just a second. So I'm excited to get into that meat of the conversation. But before we do that, for any of our audience members that are watching, those that may be on social media that may not be familiar with who you are yet, can you give us a brief introduction and share a little bit about what your context in education is? Be happy to do that. Uh, in fact, I, I spent some time thinking about this and you, know, you call it a, an origin story, um, but it's uh, it's not a straight line. So I did a little... Uh, I did a little graph and I, I dialed up a little graphic and kind of charted out my, my path to education. So if I can share my screen there, that's what it looks like. Uh, not straight, a little backwards, a little forwards. Uh, but, but that's, uh, that's kind of where it's at. So let me explain, you know, what that means. Um, I, I didn't get into education until I was just, just shy of 40. Um, and and came out, came out of college with a degree in psychology, headed to grad school and going to do the, the psychologist thing, you know, or so I thought. And 
it just didn't happen that way. So I found myself for the next 10 years in graphic design and advertising and didn't go to school for that, but I ended up doing everything from accounting to, to doing some Photoshop and graphic work to, uh, like I said, running the books, running the, the IT department, and then, you know, building up skills. And so I would call my paths, as I describe it, a, a collection of experiences. Uh, I went from there to raising fundraising for a school to help build a, a, a private Catholic school here locally. And then, you know, the whole time I'm doing that, I'm, I'm coaching and I'm coaching soccer. So I'm actually teaching, um, in a way. And, and I had people in my ear for, for this whole time before education talking about, have you ever thought about teaching? Have you ever thought about teaching? And I know we talked before about people falling into education. I, I think I was running from it for a little bit going, ah, oh, there's no money in that. There's no money in there. That, that's, I can do that other ways or, um, and I ended up as you would describe it, kind of fallen in love with, with the process of teaching others and realizing I had been doing that all along. Um, and was kind of kidding myself in the way I got into education. If I had to take another little chart with the squiggly lines and the crooked path is another collection of experiences because I started in education as a substitute. I did my alternative certification, went to paraprofessional, went to teacher, went to a STEM lab with project lead the way teacher. A, a, a assistant principal and then in ed tech. And, and so, you know, I, it was a collection of experiences there. So everything, although they were radically different, every, all those experiences gave me the skills I needed to do every, every next step. Um, and, and so it's, um, you look back and you go, I didn't see this coming or, you know, you, sometimes you have to take a minute and especially at this time of year, when you're finishing a year, kind of look back and, and realize where you've come to and look at those experiences and go, you know, it really did. Everything I've gone through has prepared me for this moment. And, uh, you know, I go, well, that, that time where I was fundraising, it was all about relationships, the time working with customers and marketing and advertising, absolutely all about relationships. You know, so what's favorite job that I've had or position has been dependent on establishing some type of solid relationship. So, yep. you know, the crooked line that it is, I guess I'm at the end right now and I don't expect it to keep going straight, you know, it hasn't so far. And what, I guess what fun would it be if it was a straight line? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, I I love hearing this and thank you so much for sharing that where you're coming from because you know, for a lot of our audience members, you know, like the way you describe, it, I mean, you started getting you got into education a lot later than many of us do, but I mean, just your story, those experiences, everything that you saw through what your your past experiences were translatable and transferable skills into the classroom. And oftentimes it, it that concept, you know, somehow kind of gets lost even within 
our school setting, you know, as us as teachers, when I was teaching, you know, I always tell the story when I was teaching science and there was some math and science, the students never made that connection that, hey, this is math and this is transferable into your math class. And they kind of see it separate and that they don't work hand in hand. But your story is just great that everything that you did from the fundraising, which is community, community engagement, building relationships, when you come into teaching and it's the same thing, building relationships with your students, personalizing their learning, building relationships with staff and so on. And now, you know, you worked your way up and now you are a digital learning coach. So I'm curious to know, you know, you started a little bit late in education. You went through all of those layers, which I think are wonderful experience because you got to see things through many different lenses. And that is a huge advantage. So now tell me how you landed from going from teacher into that digital learning coach and maybe that first experience. Um, you know, how I landed into this position is just that I landed in. Uh, <laughs> it's, I think because of my background in, uh, particularly in graphic design and advertising, I had a technology, you know, it's heavy technology. And so I had a, an affinity for that. Um, I think, I think working with, with people and working with the technology always had an appeal to me. Um, and, and as, like you said, I, I was able to get many, many different perspectives in my different roles and. You know, I think through that, I, I began to get clarity on what I would like to do in education. And, and that, that came down to number one, helping people was the, was the bottom line. You know, whether it was students or adults, the passion comes from helping people. Ed tech was kind of the, um, the icing on the cake, if you will. In terms of, I had a, I had a skill set for that. I had an affinity for that. I, I love, I love for it. So combining the two just was a natural fit. And so, uh, there's not, a, a ton of these positions that come open. And so when, when the opportunity, uh, came, uh, I was, uh, definitely interested in it and it just, has been a natural fit. I'm in my third year now. And what is, what is so interesting is that it's, it's a lot like teaching just on a different scale. I'm able to use all the different perspectives that I've been able to, to gain. And it's, it's just like teaching in the sense that it's different. Every year is different. You know, uh, the only constant in education is change. Uh, so you're in, but I'm able to build relationships on a, on a wider scale in a, in a different level. Um, and, and so there's something that has been unique about this position than any other I've had in the sense of being able to, to see beyond one campus and see an entire district, as well as getting involved with organizations like TCEA and, and Google trainers and being able to see a much bigger picture beyond that. That's wonderful. You know, and I, I just love that story because what you're saying is really kind of very similar to what happened with me and just it resonates with that. For me, it was always like people first, um, you know, coming from a business background and especially marketing, 
my my whole I guess thing as far as teaching when I transitioned into that was getting to know my customers, like my my students, all thirty students were my tiny little customers that I had to sell algebra to, and not everybody bought algebra the exact same way. So I had to sell it to them. So it just came down to that building relationships. So what you're saying, you know, resonates with me because it's the relationships first. And I think even just your passion for, for ed tech and, you know, your affinity for it, to me, I think that might, that's that icing on the cake for you, because I think for you, it just seems like you're a people person to first and foremost. And then after that, with that added skill set that you have and that passion for that skill set, being able to marry the two. And doing what you're doing now is just something that is amazing. And I love the way that you are able to have those different lenses. Like myself, my lens is, you know, just transitioning from, you know, uh, from business to school and then going up through uh, high school, through elementary, and now in this role. Uh, but you got to see things a little bit more just as you kind of continued on and you saw the substitute side, you saw the paraprofessional side, which oftentimes I believe are a lot of the staff that may be kind of forgotten a little bit when, it, you know, the trainings come about and that's something that's so important. So, John, tell me how you you leverage all of that, those lenses that you have to really, really hit everybody in the district in the way that they need. I think when uh, the way I leverage it is, is anytime I step on a campus and I work primarily with our middle schools, uh, which I had not spent any of my time prior to this position in middle school, it was all in elementary. So it was a big, it was a jump, uh, not only in position, but also in uh, grade level. I think anytime I step on a campus, I'm much more aware of who I'm dealing with because of those positions. Like you said, a lot of times a paraprofessional or a, a substitute is kind of forgotten about. Uh, and, and you realize that there is, there are many stakeholders, if you will, on a campus. And, and it's not just one position that rows the boat. Uh, it takes many. There are many oars in the water and, and there's an empathy, I think that I have having been in those positions and having felt what they felt that it's hard to feel in fairness to others. It's hard to feel unless you've been in that position and viewed that position through their eyes and viewed a campus through their eyes and viewed a district through their eyes. So I think it just starts with an awareness when I step on a campus that I'm not just, even though primarily sometimes my trainings are with teachers, my interactions, my discussions, uh, my assistance is not siloed just to one position, that it's, it's broader than that. And it has to be, uh, but I naturally kind of gravitate to that. It's not, it's not in my nature to to dismiss somebody uh, or to, to not recognize what people do. But I think it has made me much more aware of, of who's on the campus in, in the roles they play. Um, there are some campuses that would not be the same at any level, elementary, high school, or middle school without 
your paraprofessionals and, and your staff, certain staff that may not get all the credit, but if you took them out of that campus, you're going to completely change the culture because they're integral to that. Um, and so I think it's just, uh, I would be much more, I'd have a lot more blinders on when walking onto a campus, if I had not had these other positions. Yeah, I, I see that. That's very valuable. And, and just the way that you're describing this, this is something that's wonderful and amazing. And just really kind of like for a lot of us that are in these positions, you know, like you said, oftentimes we're working with uh, teachers and we focus on what we need to because there's either a certain thing that we need to be working on, focusing on, whether it's for curriculum or just for teacher instruction. But we're so laser and hyper focused that oftentimes we do forget, you know, the, the other staff, you know, and like you said, they're an integral part. And if there's anything that we can possibly do to help with their task and my, my model or my vision that I've always like told teachers is if what I bring you allows you to get back more of your time. And what I mean by that is I always tell them, look, if by the end of the day, I can get you an extra 10 minutes or possibly 15 minutes to just decompress and breathe, you know, that and then I feel like it, I have succeeded in just being able to facilitate and make, make your life a little bit easier with either, you know, upscaling a certain task into using some tech to make things a little bit easier or just for student engagement, for grading, for anything like that. But also, you know, that's important too, even for paraprofessionals, because I mean, they're working with students as well. They have tasks that they have to manage. And that goes as well for administrative staff. You know, oftentimes, you know, the the secretarial staff, you know, executive staff, things of that sort. It's very important that we focus on them too as well, because this is this is a machine that, like you said, there's a lot of stakeholders, there's a lot of oars in the water, and we want to make sure that that ship is sailing you know, and sailing smoothly. So yeah, so my, I guess for me, this was a great reminder to look around a little bit better because sometimes, like I said, I'm, I'm one of those that when I get hyper-focused, I'll, I'll focus on the tasks, but then I may be missing a couple of things. I think we all do. I think right. we all do. Um, you know, I'll tell you a little story if I may. Um, when I came into this role, particularly, well, when I came into as a digital learning coach, I had about a half a year of normalcy and, you know, I'm trucking along as a, a digital learning coach in, um, in elementary and, and you can guess what happened. And it seems like absolutely decades ago, go to, you know, you go off for spring break and you come back and, and it hasn't been uh, the same since and finish that, that first year out. And then I go into middle school. And as you know, you come back, but you're not back. You're in this hybrid role where you've got some, some people, students in person, some, some remote, and I'm into a situation where how do I build, how do I go into three completely different campuses that are half full? Everybody is stressed to the max. And how do I do that? And at first it was, it was frankly just completely overwhelming because everybody was overwhelmed. And I started in that case with the people that were, the people that were there dealing, you know, of course, helping the teachers, 
but also building relationships with people that I could have the most impact in different places. In that case, I had to get to know, I had to start somewhere. So I started with my instructional coaches on these three campus and three campuses. And one of the things we've been trying to do as a department is really work in, and you're always walking the fine line between the ed tech side and the instructional side. And I'm sure you can relate to that. And one of the tasks that, that my director, Craig Wilson had, had tasked us with was, was not just being completely technical, get into the classrooms, help, you know, be helping the instructor and be partners with the instructional coaches to help teachers. And so that's kind of where I started. And, and I'm going to give a shout out to, to three of my greatest friends at these, uh, Katie Waller, Amanda Stanfield, and Misty Anderson are instructional coaches at these campuses. And I credit them with allowing me to kind of enter their world and, and balance the ed tech and the instructional. And that has, that relationship has blossomed into, uh, being able to establish more relationships on that school, uh, that partnership on each of those campuses. Um, I think when you can develop good relationships and you get a good foundation, then the sky's the limit. Excellent. And, uh, so I, I really credit those three and, and with, with allowing me to have the opportunity to establish a lot more relationships with different stakeholders on these campuses than I probably would have without them. I know that's a fact. <laughs> um, you know, and that's so important, John, I think, uh, you know, the relationship aspect, but that collaboration and most importantly too, just building that trust, uh, oftentimes, you know, in education, it's, you can always feel like, oh, if somebody's here, then that means we're either doing something that maybe isn't as good or so on, but you know, making those connections, but also providing kind of like that psychological safety and saying, Hey, look, I am here to support you. I'm not here. And oftentimes what happens is they see maybe a position like yours or mine because we are considered, and I don't know in your case, but we're considered central office. And for some reason, a lot of teachers are like, oh, central office is the enemy because everything that we have to do comes from there and so on. And then there might be a disconnect because- and there's a lack of trust sometimes. Yeah, there's a lack of trust because of that disconnect because people oftentimes make decisions that think are correct, but they don't do a walkthrough and see how those decisions are actually affecting the teacher or affecting the student or the learning environment. And so a lot of times that's what we may hear and say, hey, you know, there's just a big disconnect. I mean, they're not here. And so, because my position is seen that way, they're like, are, you know, are you really here to help or are you here to just report back and, you know, letting them know what we are or we're, we're not doing. So that's why it's very important. And I'm glad like, you know, at your district, you have instructional coaches. This is something that is for us. We had just gotten some instructional coaches for this year where they're doing a phenomenal job because we have content specialists. We have three content specialists for a 14 districts, or excuse me, a 14 school district. That includes high schools, elementaries, and then an alternative education center. And for three people to be, you know, spread out to 14 schools, it's really impossible. So we've been able to leverage the power of Google Classroom 
to create Google Classrooms for K through 12 and put in, you know, their, their, um, their digital learning, um, you know, uh, the, what is it? The digital learning, uh, what is it? Lessons and things of that sort. Calendars, we're putting in everything that they need to kind of set them up. And then the coaches also now are building those partnerships with the teachers where they're like, hey, you know, I'm just here to assist help with this instruction, just tweak this, do this, and just having those conversations. And, you know, it's been great this year. I think we've seen a huge difference. So I'm glad that you have that also relationship with your district and that these uh, three lovely coaches are doing wonders and helping you connect with the teachers as well. That's very important. Yeah, I mean, because as you know, territory, things can get very territorial in education sometimes. Okay. And, and I credit, you know, those three individuals with, uh, my, my team and my department and, and the people on campuses, there's a lot of people that, that didn't, they, they welcome that. They welcome the partnership. And so I think, you know, what we're talking about here is a foundation of trust to relationships. And we, we talked about that, uh, that, that really one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's a Harry Truman quote is. It's amazing what we can accomplish when we don't care who gets the credit. And, and I think that's the approach that I've tried to take. I'm not going to say I've always been successful with it, but, but I think that, that, that approach just lends itself to being welcome to, to new ideas, um, stepping out of your comfort zone sometimes, um, and, and welcoming, uh, new partnerships and kind of putting the, the big goal ahead of what may be my personal goal sometimes. Yeah. You know, and that's very important. You know, like you said, just those partnerships. And again, really in reality, we always say, and, uh, and this is what we hear a lot, you know, we're here to help the children. We're here to help, you know, the educators, but sometimes, you know, like you said, you know, our personal, you know, kind of visions or our personal things kind of sometimes come ahead of that. And then we kind of forget. And then somewhere along the way, that message is jumbled. So, you know, I'm glad that we're having this talk because I mean, it's relationships really, I think that's where it starts. And I, and I know there, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Josh Tovar, Josh Tovar is a, a you know, principal and he's in a lot of these chats and so on. And, uh, Ryan Scott, you know, their thing is always connections before content and that's where we're working with students. But I think that applies anywhere within a school district, you know, whether you're working as a digital learning coach, whether you're an assistant soup of student services or assistant soup of curriculum and instruction, or even the superintendent, it's got to be connections before that content, because people have to buy into you first before they buy into what you're going to be sharing. So definitely yeah, something that's really important. It's a bit of Maslow's deal. Yeah. And as those hierarchy is you start with basic and, and I think those basic needs have to be met. You know, you, you put it, you know, obviously in education, your primary beneficiary has to be the students, but you also have to see that my interactions and my relationship, having a good relationship with the secretary on a campus or another one does affect that. You may not always see it. But it does affect that because it's not just one or two things that makes, uh, makes the world go round in education or on a campus. Um, 
Yeah, and that's true. So, John, let's kind of transition a little bit into, I know we got into the relationship portion, but talk to me a little bit about this project that you're working on now. I know that you, your school district, you're doing podcasting now. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about where that vision came from. And I know we talked a little bit about this pre-chat as far as what you are hoping to accomplish with this for your district, because I think that this is such a great idea. So for any educators out there or even podcasters out there that are serving, you know, in a school, check this out because this is something that I never even thought about or heard. So I'm glad that John is here and he shared it and definitely worth the share for everybody here. So John, tell us a little bit about that story. And again, getting into that goal that we kind of talked about at the beginning. Okay, sure. I started the On The DL podcast. Uh, we'll, just finishing up our third year with that. And it's still a work in progress. Um, I credit you with a lot of ideas that I have going forward with this podcast in terms of what you're doing. Cause you do, you have such a, uh, uh, a well-produced show, uh, that I think it, it gets given me a lot of ideas, but how it began is again, you and I, I think we talked yeah. about this, that relationship piece. I enjoy talking to people and getting their stories. And, and taking somebody that I've read in blogs and, and on Twitter and, and books and talking to them and having those conversations. So it kind of started there and really was just, um, just kind of that. And I wanted to, as, as part of that, help our department bring some of the, that knowledge in so I could share that outside of the department into the rest of the district and anybody else that would listen. It's kind of grown from there. Um, and then the more I've done it, the more I've kind of enjoyed the process and not just the technical process, but, but the conversations and having more and more of those conversations. And one thing has kind of led to another, what you're referring to in terms of the, the project that I'm working on is. I think the, one of the things in anything you do, particularly in a podcast is you try to figure out what's your, why, why are you doing it? And I think I've always tried, whether I'm picking out a, you know, trying to get a guest on the show or whatever I'm talking about, how is it going to benefit the people in my district? And it always has to be the question. Uh, running a district podcast within my department. I think that that's what I'm responsible to do. And, and so you're going, you know, content is key. So, you know, who you have on the show, what value are they bringing? But then I'm also thinking, you know, teachers are busy. Uh, staff is busy. You know, there's so many people that have so many things to do. Why would they listen? And it's got to be a combination of things. And so I got to thinking about using it as a form of PD, uh, you know, we'll read books, you'll, you'll go to seminars and, and that all counts as PD. And so I asked the question of one of my higher in, uh, you know, um, directors, executive directors in the instructional department about the prospect of using a podcast as, as PD. So we're investigating giving teachers and staff, uh, PD 
that's needed for listening to, to a podcast. And, you know, there has to be certain parameters. So we're working on setting the parameters for, for what's involved in that, because it has to provide the value. But, you know, if, if listening to a podcast can provide, you know, a, a half to a, a full credit of, of CPEs, then you are fulfilling part of a T-test goal of education, you know, their, you know, um, PD hours that they're required to do, but also providing value, uh, beyond just listening to the show. Uh, and so we're working on that as we move forward to really, I think it'll improve the number of people that listen to the show, uh, by, by also giving them value, uh, in what they're listening to. Uh, so it's kind of killing two birds with, with one stone, if you will. Yeah, no, and I love that idea, um, John, because, you know, I'm a fan of badges, you know, with badges, right? too, it's yeah. like, you know, teachers, you know, have a, you know, a, an artifact or evidence that they went through something, they received the badge counts towards PD, but I love the fact of, you know, taking a podcast. I mean, there's so much great content out there or even content, like you said, you know, that you're producing within your district. And on certain hot topics, little mini bite size, you know, they don't have to be long drawn conversations, but, you know, a 10 minute, you know, 30 minute, but just something that's very intentional, um, you know, and, and serves them in the way that it's going to be relative to their classroom. And then at the end, they just have a deliverable, maybe, you know, submit something to you, maybe an artifact of how they practice that, things of that sort. But I think that this is such a great idea because I'm all about voice and choice. And we always say, well, we want to personalize learning for students and students and students. But what about the teachers? Like we exactly. need that personalized learning too as well. I may not learn with, through a book study as much as I would learn through something like this, listening to a podcast or producing something and producing an artifact. So we also have to practice that within ourselves too, that we are all different types of learners. And so the podcast, I think, would be a great option, that voice and choice. And, you know, this is something that I've told before in a story, but oftentimes, you know, something like this can be a little like overwhelming for somebody. Like, what do you mean? Like, I just have to listen to something and then I get that PD. And because we're so used to, I have to show up to a room where somebody's going to talk to me and bring in a PD that may not be, you know, something that I may need for my specific right. classroom, right. For my specific students. But I think that this is a wonderful idea, John. And uh, let me go ahead and share this. I'm going to bring it to the screen. So for all of you guys, please make sure that you follow John on Twitter as well. But here is the page as well for the Temple ISD digital or the yeah digital learning page. And then here you can get more info and please make sure, I mean, you check out some of these episodes as you scroll down. You've got uh, Brian Aspinall here. You've got uh, Jenny Matheson that are here. And so, John, tell us a little bit, not not all guests that are on your podcast are, you know, employees of Temple ISD, correct? That's right. Uh, and that that's by design. I have uh, I have kind of got a mixture of people within the district. Uh, because I want to highlight people within our district. We talked about those relationships and I've had everybody from the special education director to the bilingual director, uh, got the director of transportation coming up because nobody's story is too small or invaluable. 
And, and then I've also mixed in some of these folks that, you know, Jim Knight and Catlin Tucker that really are, are, I mean, we've got, we get some fans in this district of these people and I did, uh, Jim Knight, it was, was gracious enough to be on the show. And, and I had, I had the instructional coaches help me with those questions because they were absolutely, you know, fans struck by, oh, you're going to have Jim Knight. So I involved them in writing the questions that I might ask him. And then, you know, Joe Sam Filippo up in Ball Creek, Wisconsin. And, you know, I think, I think providing that mixture, uh, that is, uh, highlights the department, but also highlights the values of the department in terms of blended learning and uh, people that are, are mirroring through their words and actions, some of the things we're doing in our department and in our district. And I'm, uh, I feel very fortunate and lucky that, that I work at a place that, that can allow me to do this and, and, you know, help, help bring attention positive attention, hopefully to the district, uh, in, and do it in a different way, because you said it a minute ago, if we're meeting, if we need to meet students where they are, we need to meet the adults where they are as well. And that includes voice and choice in the days of, of sitting in sit and get PD should be over. Um, doesn't mean there's not times when you need that kind of PD, but we need a lot more choice and we need to be giving our teachers and our staff a wider variety, um, you know, particularly right now, uh, the, the, you know, you talk about relationships, these last three years have been hard on everybody. And, and we've got people, you know, I'm concerned funds about, about people I come in contact to with, they are, they're worn out. They're worn out in October or November that you would normally see in March or April. And, and it's, it's not that they dislike education. They're just out of gas. And, and so I think we have to respond to that with how we approach our PD. You still have to do PD. It's still necessary, but we've got to read the room and respond accordingly, in my opinion. No, I absolutely agree with you on that. It's very important that we take that into account. And again, for me, as always, it's if I can take something off a teacher's plate or facilitate something and just make it a lot quicker and easier and just give them a bite-sized uh, microdose of ed tech slash, you know, classroom practice, then, you know, they can use it effectively. They can dissect done. They can dissect it even more. They can kind of sprinkle it onto what their already great practice is and just take it from there. But I do agree that we need to look into making PD a little bit more efficient. We need to make it more proficient. And then we also have to personalize it as well for our teachers and for all our staff, because let's not forget also, you know, we, we have the paraprofessionals, we have administrative staff, and oftentimes there isn't any PD for them because, because they're not maybe in the classroom, but Hey, you know what? It, it's efficiency. We want to make sure that the same tools that we're using in the classroom, we can show them that those same tools can apply in the front office. And, you know, especially like for us, ourselves, we're a Google district. So I mean, pretty much all across the board, we're using Google, but are we doing it to the best of our abilities, things of that sort. And so I like the way too, that 
going back to what you said, you know, going into a school and really kind of reading that room too as well. And then just taking it from there and making some notes and trying to come back and see what it is that we can do to make things a lot better for our teachers and, you know, it's in serving them because, you know, we are in, in that customer service, it, it, whether we like to think of it or not, it is customer service. What we do, our customers are our teachers. We build those relationships. We build those friendships. And in the same way, we want that to trickle on to our students as well and building those relationships in that community. So, John, well, thank you. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you, you made me, reminded me of something with the relationships and, and my little squiggly line path to education is, is it all takes time. You know, relations relationships really can't be rushed. You know, we would love to go in and establish a relationship in, in one visit to a campus. You can, you can make an impression that's for sure. And you only get, a, you know, one chance to make a first impression. Um, but, but it takes time and it takes, uh, patience. And I think I've, it is, I've really had to work on that part this, uh, especially the last three years to realize that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things out of your control and sometimes you just have to keep working at it and be consistent in those relationships. And, uh, I think one of the biggest things I've done in the last two years, particularly is, uh, use these things a lot. Uh, I think, I think we talked about teachers being stressed and maxed out and they just want to be heard. In some days, the best thing I did was just listen. Uh, I didn't d deliver a valuable PD that particular day, but maybe I listened to somebody that needed to be heard. There you go. That's perfect, John. And, and it just shows the extent that also, because just your title says digital learning or digital learning coach or instructional coach, you know, there's so much more to that. You know, beyond that, we, we are human first. And like you said, yeah. we need to make sure that we do listen. And I think that, you know, it, it, it falls under just, just being a human being, you know, yeah. listening, just as simple, simple as that, just being a human being and really understanding somebody else that may be in need. John, I really want to thank you so much. I know that this, even this podcast was like last minute sort of, you know, in a way that I was just like, Hey, let's get on. And you're like, Hey, let me check with the family CFO first to make sure that we don't yeah. have anything scheduled. And I'm glad that you're here. And like I said, in such a short time span that you and I have been um, interchanging messages and, you know, me being able to answer your questions and reaching out to you and, you know, just to have you here and really talk to you, it, it's just great. And again, it just goes back to what this podcast is about, guys. It's about connecting educators, creators, one show at a time, hearing their stories and learning some great things. Like I said, today I learned just a wonderful idea that John and his district are doing and doing podcast PD, you know, in that sense. So big shout out to Chris Nessie on that too, because I know he does podcast PD, but this is, you know, also like podcast PD counting for your hours. So John, anything else you'd like to add, you know, just for our audience members, maybe how they can connect with you, reach out to you, you know, just give us some info here. <laughs> feel free to, to DM me on, on Twitter. Feel free to uh, reach out to me at at john.woodward at tsd.org uh you know i my podcast our podcast is is growing because of people like you and others who are willing to to share 
Uh, and you're very welcome, Debbie. Thank you. Um, and so I would just say reach out because uh, we've been able to grow and, and I'm growing uh, because of people's willingness to, to share. So uh, definitely ideas or uh, you'd love to be on our podcast. That'd be cool too. Yeah. So definitely reach out. And like you said, John, this is, he's amazing. He's great. And, uh, you know, it's been a just wonderful conversation. And I want to thank everybody that stopped by the show here live at the, you know, today we had uh, Debbie. Thank you so much, my friend, Debbie. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by. Mel, joining us all the way from Colombia. We had uh, Ravine also joining us through LinkedIn. Uh, and we had Carlos Garza also, who's here from Edinburgh as well. So, uh, John, hopefully... Uh, next time you make your way towards Edinburgh, you know, it'd be great to meet you and, you know, Absolutely. if we get together. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said, you're more than welcome. Come by anytime if you're ever around this area. And, you know, maybe one of these days I'll just take the drive up. I'm not exactly sure how far Edinburgh is from Temple, but I'll, I can make my way over there too. And, and hour, hour north of Austin, piece of cake. Oh, man. perfect. Yeah, that's a good like five hour, five and a half hour drive. Oh man, like I can do that in a day. And, and maybe we'll uh, be at TCEA. And yeah, January. yeah, we'll be at TCEA for sure. But it'd be great to just meet up halfway between that and maybe over a little bit of brisket and ribs as we all travel uh, that area. Uh, <laughs> I'd be well, glad to do that. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much, as always, for being here on the show. I'm really excited to really get to sharing this show and posting it up shortly. And as you all know, guys, once the show goes up, you will see John's contact information. You'll see his profile. Please make sure you follow him on Twitter. Uh, DM him. He's amazing. He's very accessible. And as you know, he has a heart of service also as well and willing to help. Also, make sure that you check out the podcast as well, you know, for uh, TISD. Check out that page, follow them. And again, I encourage you, just hop on, be a guest because there's no story too small. There's no story too big. Everybody can learn from one another and that's the power of connections. So that's what we're trying to do here. And as always, thank you so much for your support and making my EdTech life what it is today. Please make sure you check out our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life. Give us a review. Drop us a message. Let us know what we're doing great. Let us know what we can improve on. And if you have any guest suggestions, please make sure you DM me. Share it. I'm accessible. I'll be more than happy to help in any way, shape, or form. If you have any podcast questions as well, let me know. That's what I'm here for. So thank you guys so much for joining me and joining John this beautiful Saturday morning. And as always, my friends, don't forget. Oh, go ahead, John. Do I get to ask my question? Oh my goodness. Yes. I don't know why I got so excited. Like it was so weird. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead. Interrupt you though. No, no, no. You know what? Let's do one of these, John. Thank you. Let's do one of these. So for all the audience members watching, we've got the squiggly line where I can jump way ahead and I completely forgot about that part of the show. And it was because I got so excited about that podcast PD. <laughs> but all right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is what everybody's favorite part of the show is. So here we go. Last three questions. Question number one, John, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? <laughs> oh, man, I had to think on this one. I would say in, and I, I checked it, and I think it is a word. If not, I'm creating one today. Inauthenticity. Ooh, nice. Um, you know, in the spirit of talking about relationships, I, I think you've got to be authentic. You've got to be authentic with yourself and with others. 
Um, and I think it, there's a real disconnect when, when people are not who they seem, you know, and being consistent with your actions and your values. And, and, uh, you know, I think we all have times when we're maybe not the best at being as authentic as we'd like to be, but I'm, that's, that's something that definitely, uh, weighs me down sometimes when you run into that inauthenticity. Wow. That, that is really good. And I was checking it out too here on Google. I put in authenticity <laughs> just to make sure. Cause you never know. And I was like, Hey, That's maybe he true. did, he did invent a word, but it says here, it just says not genuine or authentic. So we're okay. We're good. Okay. It's a word. I didn't well, offend I, some, some English teacher yeah, out there, but that was a really great answer, John. Thank okay. you so much. You bet. You're, you're absolutely right. That is something that we do need to be just on the day-to-day -day basis, be authentic, be genuine. And, you know, that's the thing that I appreciate about a lot of the guests that do come on is they're just completely genuine and authentic and, um, you know, just sharing your stories. So thank you. Next question. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Okay. So it would not have my face on it. Um, <laughs> But it would have four things. Don't give up, which is from one of my favorite Winston Churchill quotes. Um, it's not the critic who counts, which is from a uh, Teddy Roosevelt quote uh, from the man in the arena. So don't give up. It's not the critic who counts. Laughter is the best medicine. And last but not least, fail forward. I like that. You know, th that can actually fit on a on a really nice billboard. I can see that just hashtags, and I can see those hashtags trending also as well. So that's a great answer. All right. Now, from one fellow podcaster to another, all right? So, John, so let's pretend that this morning this was your show and I was a guest on your show. What would be one question you'd like to ask me? I had to, I had to stop myself. Well, I'm going to ask it anyway. It's not the question I'm going to ask, but it was about the hair. Cause I was like, man, Fonz's hair is, is like bit moji good. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I was like, and I was like, I'll never get to that. But I was like, consistent, you're consistent. Every episode you've got, you've got that hair going. And I was like, all right. So I'm not going to ask him about that because, uh, I can't achieve that level of of hair. There you go. It's, there's no difference between other than maybe the goggles between that and the sticker. Um, my question would be this Fonz, if you could interview two people in history, one from the past, one from present time, who would they be? Okay. So my first person that I would interview from the past would actually be a substitute teacher whose name is Mr. Rodriguez, who he passed me yeah, maybe about three years ago, but Mr. Rodriguez made such an impression on me my freshman year in uh, high school. He would substitute for my biology teacher. And every time that he came in, that lesson plan went out the window because he was a former teacher himself. And he, actually he was a former science teacher. 
um, you know, at that same school. But when he would come in, he would just drop these nuggets of knowledge that were unforgettable. And for me to still remember him to this day, many years from when I was 14, you know, in 1994 or whatever, around that age, 14, 13, 14, and to still remember C. Hopkins Cafe, which are the seven elements that we all need to survive or, you know, or that our bodies are made up of, you know, which is just that acronym for, and I'm going to kill it here because I, I, I still forget it every once in a while, but it's like C. Hopkins Cafe is like calcium, uh, hydrogen, oxygen, phosphorus. Um, I forget what the K is, you know, sodium, I think, iodine or some whatever. Anyway, C. Hopkins Cafe, I would love to interview him because, you know, for me to still remember that and that impression that he made on me, I want to know where he drew his passion from. I want to know what, what, what was going through his mind as he taught? How did he reach out to us? How did he make these these gems like so easy for people to remember and to remember many years after? And the the story about that is too, I saw him before he passed maybe about, this was about, you know, four years ago because I think it's been three years since he's passed. And when I saw him, you know, obviously he got older I saw him, he went up to the water fountain to go get some water. And I just kind of slowly went up, made my way. And I said, Mr. Rodriguez. And he kind of looked at me and, you know, he's got that old age and he's got the little, you know, his hand is shaky. He's just, you know, and, and I said, Mr. Rodriguez. And he goes, I, I don't remember you. I, I, I don't, you know, I said, it's okay. It's okay. I just, I just want to say thank you for what you did for me, you know, and I, and I explained to him, I just said, you taught me C. Hopkins Cafe, and I still remember to this day, and his eyes teared up, and that's when I knew that this is what teaching is all about, you know, when you have somebody that you have made an impression on just come up to you many years later in life and say, hey, because of what you said, or because of what you did, or because of what you taught, here I am now, and Again, I would just would like to get into his heart, into his head and see what, what he did. So that's in the past. In the present, who would I love to interview? Currently, I would probably say that I would love to interview. Geez, there's so many people that I want to interview that if I could just toss out right now. Maybe huh? somebody that's, that, that you think may be really hard to get. I don't Ooh, really hard to get. Hmm. That is a great question. I don't know, man. You got me, you got me thinking here. So very hard to get. Oh, geez. I don't know, man. You know, I, well, I, I would have probably said, you know, I've been trying to, to get a hold of Kathy Hackle. And she's been definitely very hard to get. And really because of my passion that I have for um, AR, VR and the metaverse and things of that sort. And I've reached out a couple of times, but I know she's very busy and, you know, she's running companies and she's traveling all around the world. But if I can get Kathy Hackle and I actually have her book here. So just in case, throwing it out there, <laughs> I, uh, you, know, you know, throwing it out there right there, Kathy Hackle, if I can have just 30 minutes just to pick her brain. And just 
ask her more about the metaverse, the future of, of work, but help tie in the future of learning because it's very important too that as teachers, we, we always equip ourselves and at least have those conversations of what may be coming and see how we can start prepping ourselves. So Kathy Hackle, if this gets to you, some way, some shape or form, John, I don't know, maybe you can work some magic, six degrees of separation, somehow between all of your amazing guests that you've had and Kathy Hackle, I definitely appreciate that. But those would be my two people that I would interview, my one from the past, Mr. Rodriguez, and my one in the present, Kathy Hackle. <laughs> you need to let me know if she contacts you on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we can do like a, a tag team podcast, you know, it could be us three and we can go ahead and just have that interview because it's important that, you know, for me, that we have those conversations about the future of learning. Well, uh, I, I appreciate you bringing up the, your substitute. I think that, uh, that speaks volumes about you. And, and then it, uh, it, there's just, you know, there's Joe Stan Filippo talks about these 30 second moments. Yeah. Life's about 30 second moments and you can't always choose who a moment somebody's going to pick. And the moment to that gentleman, you know, was. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Well, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. This has been an awesome, awesome conversation and I'm just really excited and I'm really thankful too for our, our new relationship too, and being able to meet you and being able to talk to you and just seeing, you know, a lot of commonalities that we have and myself learning a lot from you as well. And so I'm just really excited, you know, where this connection can go ahead and take us both to that next level and to continue to collaborate and see what else we can do to continue to help each other. Because as always, that's the purpose of Maya Tech Life, connecting educators and creators one show at a time. And we definitely want to move the needle forward in the education space. So thank you again for being a guest. And guys, you know, I already did it. I already did the outro prior to the outro, but I got overexcited. But again, just visit our website, mayatech.live. Check out our past episodes. Drop us a line. Thank you, as always, for your support. I really appreciate you all. And don't forget, my friends, until next time, as always, stay techie.